You have reached the voicemail box of... Speed Dial with Ira Madison III and Doreen St. Felix. This week, we introduce a new segment called Keep It. We also talk about SNL's Black Jeopardy skit. And lastly, we discuss Lady Gaga's new album called Joanne. Leave a message. Doreen, I know you saw this girl, Amy Schumer's Formation parody, and she needs to keep it. Call me back. So I was having this amazing weekend, Ira. I was out of New York. I wasn't on the internet. And the first thing that I saw when I logged back on was that Amy Schumer was trending. And immediately I was like, I don't have time for this. And that is actually, I think, why we need a new segment on Speed Dial called Keep It about all the random things that happen in the news and on the internet where we just like, we don't even want to devote time to discuss it. We just need to be like, you know what? You can keep that. You can take that. You can take it back where it was because nobody wants it. You can return it. (laughs) Amy Schumer. (laughs) And the formation video, it's a parody of a quote unquote parody of Beyonce formation video. And it also features Goldie Hawn. And she somehow swindled Wanda Sykes into it. So this is where the premise doesn't work, Amy. You don't parody Beyonce. It doesn't make any sense. It violates a universal law. There's nothing Beyonce has ever done that deserves parody. Especially not a song that is literally an anthem for black women in America. This girl just doesn't want, like, she doesn't want me to not drag her. It's like she, like, feeds off of it. I'm her life force or something. There's there's been, like, funny, like, SNL did that Melania Trump sorry thing, which was, like, which I didn't, you know, I don't think I loved it, but it was miles better than whatever Amy Schumer tried to put out. I didn't like that either. I don't like Beyonce parodies. <laughs> Why would I watch a bunch of inferior women do something that is not Beyonce when I could actually just watch Beyonce. That's what she made the videos for. Amy Schumer, these SNL girls, keep it. Okay, but let's not call Goldie Hawn inferior because she did give us Private Benjamin. True. I think she was swindled. (laughs) Actually, um, comedian um, Ray Sani said that that shit was on title, so Beyonce probably set up Amy Schumer. Beyonce has a really great sense of humor. (laughs) This week, um, we also got some very tragic, um, (laughs) very, um, you know, disheartening news that just shook me to my core. Um, Soldier Boy and Bow Wow are (laughs) releasing a joint album. They have dropped the mixtape already in the mixtape is called Ignorant Shit. I, when I heard that they were making a mixtape together, I had actually assumed it would be called Watch the Chair or some kind of riff off of... <laughs> what a time to be asleep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it wasn't. It's called Ignorant Shit, which I think is just... Um, it's a very appropriate name, considering who the it two artists like a are. It sounds like a feature song title. 
to be honest. <laughs> I thought that Soldier Boy was having some sort of renaissance because, you know, he was Beyonce used part of Turn My Swag On in Hold Up. Yeah. But then I just realized that Soldier Boy is still Soldier Boy, and that was just Beyonce elevating some trash. But, I mean, a lot of people do think that Soldier Boy is trash. However, he is very successful. That you can't undo. He is. He is. Listen, I I once upon a time used to sing about Supermaning hoes. Very dark time in your life. <laughs> I have definitely given many of my coins to Soldier Boy. And you know what? I would have actually been fine with a Soldier Boy album coming out. But didn't Bow Wow retire like five seconds ago? I mean, he retired his name, but now he's Shad Moss, so maybe he's performing under a different <laughs> moniker. No, he literally had an interview where he talked about he was retiring from music, girl. Listen, like his peer, Jay-Z, <laughs> Bow Wow has reneged on that promise. <laughs> <laughs> However, we're not going to accept it. We're going to keep it. You guys can keep ignorant shit Iron Doreen want no parts. We also have a New York Times interview with Omarosa Manigault by our very own um, Anna Marie Cox. And while I admire Anna for even being able to talk to Omarosa for more than five seconds, um, we could have kept that. I mean, Anna is the only thing that is good about this interview. We're going to keep it 100. Omarosa, there was a time where I was rooting for you. Omarosa had a really tragic um, couple of years, a few years back. She lost her husband. And I did, I felt for her. You know, she became a pastor and all these things. But then this walking sentient tangerine comes up and she starts to ally herself with him meaning Trump. And now I just, I think that um, we're going to have to give Omarosa away to the to the white race. I think that we're done with her. <laughs> she is she is in the pod with Stacey Dash. <laughs> the and, pod. Um, GOP black chick. <laughs> and um, you know what? I think Don Lemon has been like slowly trying to redeem himself he through has. this election cycle. So... You know what? I will not say keep it to Don Lemon, but Omarosa, she's got to go. And finally, we have Miss Patty LaBelle. Um, <laughs> if any of you have been on Facebook, you will see that what's been trending over the weekend has been a 1996 video of her at the National Christmas Tree Lighting Ceremony. And it just show, goes to show how a fucked up like our week is and this election cycle is that Halloween isn't even here and we're already, you know, trending videos about Christmas. But Patti LaBelle does not know the words to the song that she is singing. Not And in the her least. backup singers are nowhere to be found. <laughs> and she is... First, she's like, can I get my background singers? And she is ad-libbing and literally talking to the person holding the cue cards, being like, what's that lyric? Show me that card again. It's 
the best disaster you've ever seen in your life. But the best part of this video is that when they pan out to the audience, people still have their hands up and are waving as if Patti LaBelle was hitting them with an amazing grace, as if she was actually singing a song. And it goes to show <laughs> that if you're that good of a performer and that good of a singer, it doesn't matter what the hell you're singing. If the audience is smart, they're going to enjoy it. And so this video, 20 years later, is making the round where this this video is it's not being kept. Everybody needs to see it, right? We're not keeping this Patty LaBelle video. No. <laughs> no, this Patty LaBelle video needs to be spread far and wide. Like the Christmas spirit. So speaking of SNL, when they're not parroting Beyonce, which apparently you don't like at all, um, <laughs> I don't. not even the Beejancy one. Um, no, not even the Beejancy one. The when people realize Beyonce was black one. Can you stop asking me these questions? I don't like any of these videos. Okay, I like Beyonce pure. Okay. <laughs> well, so you did like Black Jeopardy though, right? I adored it. Okay, all right, finally, something we agree on (laughs) when it comes to SNL. So basically, I never thought I would be thankful to Dan Brown for giving me something, but Dan Brown wrote those shitty-ass movies that Tom Hanks is now promoting, which is why he was the guest host of Saturday Night Live this past weekend, and they did Black Jeopardy, which is a skit that they've done plenty of times over, and it hasn't always been funny. But this one was absolutely hilarious because Tom Hanks was playing a presumed Trump supporter who never actually said that he was a Trump supporter. And all of the categories in Black Jeopardy, which um, these skits are actually written by Michael Che, who's a black writer at SNL. They're all about very niche black phenomena, right? That only a real down-ass black person would know. Mm -hmm. And Tom Hanks knows all the answers to these questions. And I thought that it was the smartest skit I've seen this year that talked about the populations of people that are at stake during this election, not necessarily the people who are running for president. It was such a nice Mm -hmm. subversion of how we look at um, political comedy, you know? There's no Hillary or Trump. They're not even really mentioned. Right. But the skit shows the voters. It shows America. It shows the people. Yeah. I think what a large thing that's been missing, especially from the fact that we've been doing so much fucking coverage of like the Trump supporter, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's always been like these crazy racist ass people or it's been these evangelicals um, who are afraid that – they're going to have to give Tootsie Roll Pops to gay people on Halloween. (laughs) Um, But what we've really found in this sketch is the fact that, like, we have so much in common with some white people, you know? Because it's like, you for, I feel like what we were talking about when we were talking about Atlanta and black sitcoms and, like, the working class in America Mm -hmm. and how, like, you... You know, you liked Roseanne, the sitcom. There's so many more people in America who are working class than there are, you know, upwardly mobile millennials and, you know, rich people, that 1%. Um, And even us, like, you know, like 
the upwardly mobile millennial still came from like a family that's working class probably. Yeah. You know, and it's these are not just black things that we all do. It's like one of the jokes was um about the sauce packet, you know, like the drawer you have in the kitchen <laughs> with the ketchup, the Taco Bell sauce, the soy sauce from Panda Express. It's like, white people do that shit too. Yeah, I loved that skit, especially because when I watched it, I was actually in North Carolina. Now, keep in mind, I was in the liberal enclave in North Carolina. It's not like I was you know, really amongst, like, really racist white people. But still, Did culturally... Did you get trying to use the bathroom? Because I know that's what they do in North Carolina. You need to stop playing. Anyway, <laughs> 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 I was in a place that was very different culturally from New York and Brooklyn, where I live. And I had actually seen that Medea movie before. And we'll talk about the Medea movie in a later podcast. But... Because I'm seeing it tonight. Yes, you're on a date, which is a very interesting choice, Ira. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But the audience was very mixed, you know? Like, Tyler Perry has a lot of white fans, especially down south. And after I saw the movie, I saw this skit, and it was such a good encapsulation of how people in certain regions of America where there's definitely virulent racism also have a lot more cultural things in common, you know? And as opposed to a lot of the liberals that you meet in the mid-Atlantic states or in the Northeast, they might, they'll never, they would never want to think of themselves as not liking black people, right? Mm -hmm. But because of the intense class difference in states like this, they don't actually come up against our culture in any way. Because class is so much more intense here than it is um, in communities that are a little bit more integrated in the South. Mm -hmm. I thought that I was surprised that SNL would ever alight on something so sophisticated, but they did, and they did it really well. And even Sashir Zamata was funny, which, you know, can be hard for her. (laughs) (laughs) You are so, you know what? I think I'm rubbing off on you. You are so I think treacherous. You are. I used to be so nice. <laughs> um, I think that one of my favorites was um, when they were talking about the, you know, using the thumbprint for the iPhone and how they, yeah. no one wants to use that because that's how they get you. And it's like, it just reminded me too that, like, for all that the. Republicans and this crazy ass Donald Trump is talking about how the election's rigged, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How many like older black people do we know who are always like, oh, it's rigged, you know? Mm-hmm. It's they already decided who's gonna win before that was a joke in the sketch, you know? Like they already decided who's gonna win the election. For sure. So what's the point in voting? Like that's just an American thing, you know. There's so much distrust you know, the government, for black people, it's understandable because, you know, like, the government does shit like, you know, secret experiments on us. Um, Shout out Tuskegee experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, giving you them X-Files, um, <laughs> that black X-Files. Um, and, you know, the government upsets white people, you know, by, I don't know, letting us drink from the same 
LaCroix fountain as them. <laughs> Who knows? But, you know, we do have some of those commonalities. And I just thought the sketch, yeah, was very smart. I actually really liked most of the episode. I think Tom Hanks is the MVP. Not just like of SNL, but life. I love Tom Hanks. I wish he was my dad. There's no way that you love Tom Hanks more than friend of the podcast, Tracy Clayton, a.k.a. Broken McPoverty. Okay, well, I think that Tracy loves Tom in a completely different way (laughs) than I do. Um, I want Tom Hanks to replace the absentee father in my life. Um, And I think she wants Tom Hanks to be her daddy in a Jamie Dornan Fifty Shades of Hanks sort of way. Indeed. that That's more her, her vibe. But what speaking of Tom Hanks, it was so smart to me how the sketch ended because the last category is All Lives Matter, right? And they kind of cut, cut it off before Keenan can actually ask a question from that category and before Tom Hanks can actually finish his sentence. And he's wearing a Make, Amer- Make America Great Again cap. Um, which it could be an indicator that he's a Trump supporter. But you know what? There are like a ton of hipsters in New York who think it's funny to wear that hat. So it doesn't even necessarily mean that. Do you think that like Southerners, though, are wearing that hat ironically? Probably not. But the point is the sketch doesn't come out and say that, right? It's all implied, which leaves space for that to not actually be the case. And weirdly enough, I am the most unpatriotic person you'll ever meet me in your life. I'm not a really big fan of America. However, the note that the sketch ended on made me kind of hopeful in a bizarre way. You know, I don't think, and I think this connects to the conversation that we were having last week. Obviously, racism is here to stay. And I don't think that it's something that can be solved through niceness. But there is an alternative reality where You can have a conversation. It's not that all the interactions that black people and white people have are always going to be fraught. You know, sometimes you have conversations with people who are the most, you know, who are like in the Klan or related to someone in the Klan and you don't even know. And that's how racism like kind of sneaks up on you. And I thought that the sketch did a really good job of showing how it's not something that is 100 percent dangerous or something that's 100 percent traumatic all the time. Um, And sometimes you're interacting with someone who's actually incredibly racist or who might be, and you leave the situation unscathed. You know what that reminds me of? Do you remember that article about those black people who found out that their neighbors and, like, best friends were in the KKK? No. (laughs) I can't believe that's a real thing. It was, like, basically a reporter or something had interview these people and was like do you know that your neighbor is like in the kkk and then the like hidden insidious racism is just that like the kkk people never thought like they were friendly with the black neighbors like they were really good friends um but they never thought that their black neighbors would be smart enough to google them and find (gasps) out if they were in the kkk or not i mean in this situation weren't they kind of (laughs) right because the reporter was the one who had to tell them true you know um but i feel like if i googled any of my white friends i wouldn't have any <laughs> you know what that's 100 percent true being friends with white people or working with white people or being in you know superficial relationships with them involves a suspension 
of reality, you know? Listen, Halloween is coming up, and in college, I Googled a white friend once and found old photos of them in blackface. Wow. You know what? We are no longer friends, but that friend is slowly becoming famous, and I have those photos in a blackmail folder on my laptop. (laughs) Looks like we found our own GoFundMe account. Last week, this white woman released an album called Joanne. Say her name. <laughs> don't don't be appropriating that hashtag to make a point about Stephanie Germanata, aka Lady Gaga. This girl releases album that is trash. In my opinion, Ira loves it. We're gonna duke it out. Let's go. I love Joanne. Okay. You know what? I just, I put on my country boots this weekend. I went to the deli. I bought some PBR, not the cans, bought it in a bottle, took it to a party, you know, put on my leather jacket, um, had on my denim, and, you know, I just had a hoot nanny, you know? (laughs) Is that even what that word means? I, you know, hoot nanny is probably like French for lynching. I don't know, but I had a good ass time. You know, like I'm from Milwaukee, which is not the South, but it's like the Midwest. And you know, I grew up around some barns. I've done some barn dancing. I don't know. I just felt like down home this weekend with Joanne. She gave me everything I needed. Funny that you say that because Lady Gaga was born in New York. And to me, this album totally sounds like some city slicker trying to be down home Americana country and just not hitting the mark ever. There's one song on it that I kind of like, the one that she did with Florence Welch. Hey Girl? Yeah. It has like a little like Mary J. Blige feel good vibe to it. A little Mary J. Blige vibe. You know what I mean? Like those, you know those duets that like R&B singers do together? Like, girl, like, I love you. I got you, girl. That's right. Like it has that vibe? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I see that. I see that. But otherwise, Ira, like, do you really love it? Or are you just like saying that you love it because you want to work for Lady Gaga one day? Like, what is it? Like. Okay. First of all, (laughs) first of all. Um, there's plenty of evidence of me dragging Lady Gaga previously (laughs) online, so I really don't think she's ever going to hire me in her life, but I, like, I don't know. Maybe it's because, like, the album's called Joanne, and, like, it feels like a scam to even like it and listen (laughs) to it. You know, it feels a little, feels a little wicked, feels a little, you know, dishonest, feels a little clandestine. Um, but <laughs> I am looking at this track list right now, and okay, you know what? Diamond's Heart, very good song. Um, Agreed. It makes me, yeah, it's a good song. Um, Ayo, you know, she's singing about drugs. Who doesn't want to sing about drugs? Like, I love it. Joanne is a very sweet song. 
dedicated to her aunt who passed. Um, I think it's beautiful. John Wayne is the real, like, line dancing, you know, hooting, hollering, find yourself a man by the jukebox song. I'm loving it. Um, Dancing in Circles is, like, the sequel to my favorite Lady Gaga song, So Happy I Could Die from the Fame Monster. Both songs about masturbating. I don't know why she keeps singing about it, but... Because her man is not satisfying her. Duh. That's why she's making bad well, music. She, she broke up with him. First of all, well, okay, right. that was an adjective. It's music. Bad was an opinion. Um, <laughs> perfect illusion. I've always liked that song. I know some people don't. Million reasons. I'm right Sinner's here. You can just good. say that I don't like the song, Ira. <laughs> Come to Mama is my favorite on the album. It's great. Um, hey Girl, as we mentioned. And then Angel Down, which she said um, was dedicated to Trayvon Martin. So I think it's a beautiful song. That's the song I dislike the most. Can I explain why? Please do. I have a problem with a white pop artist who is definitely political. Lady Gaga is not, she's not like Taylor Swift, right? She speaks out. I have a problem with her making a song about Trayvon Martin years after he was killed in this, to me, overly like starry-eyed tone. To It just felt incredibly tone deaf. And when she was actually, she was really upset by the review that she got in the New York Times, right? The New York Times basically panned it and said that it was a really bad album. And one of the things that she said in response to the writer, John Caramonica, was, I wrote this song for Black Lives Matter, you know? And like, by you, she was implying by you dissing me, you're dissing Black Lives Matter. And I thought that it, it revealed her intentions to me in a way that, was very off-putting. And so that's one song I can't even listen to it understanding how she even like conceptualized the song in the first place. Okay, I can understand that mm-hmm. because I mean, I still like it, but I can understand it because, you know, being gay, I've been used to the whole like Lady Gaga being like this song is for the gays, you know, <laughs> and if you don't like it, you're anti-gay, like that whole born this way shtick that she was doing before. And, you know, so, like, I completely get that. Like, she's actually co-opted two of my identities now. And I don't know why I still like her. I don't know. It's called Stockholm Syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. We'll get you out of it. (laughs) But, I mean, here's the thing. I love Lady Gaga. I've always liked her music. And I've always liked that she's been truly in the periphery of pop music and has been so intent on expanding its limits but I guess this album to me really feels like a response to art pop in the sense that she is going in the complete opposite direction because art pop is such a contentious album um, in both her discography but also just like music history in general a lot of people don't think that it was good i actually think that it was a great album i don't know that it was great but art pop had some bangers it really did it had the best songs on art pop were much better than the best songs on this album joanne i will agree i will agree with that i think joanne as a whole was a better album but i think the individual songs that are amazing on art pop 
are some of the best music that she's ever made, to be honest. Yeah, so we just don't agree on the fact that Joanne is a good album. But I I think that for the first time, Lady Gaga's obsession with concept fell flat. She was so good at mining, you know, like the kind of Andy Warholian concept in the past and then even mining, you know, the late night glamour piano singer with Tony Bennett. She was great at that, but I think that this I hate that album. I mean, you can hate it, but I feel like the concept was executed well. To me, the concept of her being a folksy sing- folksy singer wasn't executed well, even accompanied with this dive bar tour that she's doing that's sponsored by Budweiser. It's like how you you're very much conspicuously hiding that you can't sell stadiums out anymore, right? That's why you're doing this really small tour. And I just, I don't believe it. And I would love for Lady Gaga to get back in the space of obviously being an aesthetics first performer, but choosing aesthetics that she's, that are intuitive to her. And this album does not sound intuitive to me. Hmm. Well, you know, I really responded <laughs> to it. And I think... Um, I think it's nice, you know? I mean, it just, I sort of get a feeling when I listen to it that mm-hmm. just sort of moves me. So, you know, personally, I enjoy it. Uh, I can see some other people, you know, would not like it. You know, they threw stones at Mary Magdalene back in the day. Um, are you and- calling me, what What are you calling me right now? You're taking it to the Old Testament or New Testament whenever that thing happened. You know, I'm a, a blasphemer. I haven't read the Bible in a minute. You know, I'm just I'm just speaking my truth to power, Doreen. Um, but okay, Jesus. <laughs> I just, <laughs> you know, they also they hung him on the cross. You know, Our, um, and Ira? maybe and maybe Jesus's album could have been number one. Ira, I'm gonna need you to what? to to rein this back. <laughs> Okay, the album's not that damn good, but it's enjoyable. Um, What I will say, however, is um, Molly Lambert, um, MTV's own, pointed out to me that Christina Aguilera's song Telepathy from The Get Down hit the Billboard charts this week thanks to no fucking promotion from Christina herself at all. Um, which is amazing because she succeeds when she's not even trying. <laughs> but I think that, <clears throat> listen, there's a vacancy in pop music and maybe Christina Aguilera can take it. You just wanted to talk about Christina Aguilera. This is where... I love Christina. Okay? I know. It's like They've Rita all, like, and then Christina People always, you. People always fit pit like Lady Gaga against Madonna, but... You know, her original feud was with Christina Aguilera. You're right. That is a much better uh, person to compare Lady Gaga to. Vocally, because Madonna can't sing. (laughs) And I'm not about to have those Madonna scams come after me again. Wait, we are on a suicide mission this week. So we have, we're going to have Soldier Boy stands, the two Bow Wow stands, Lady Gaga stands, and Madonna stands come after us. And Amy Schumer. You know what? I'm just going to log off Twitter right now. I'm going to hang up right now. I'm going to 
turn off all of my electronics so I can avoid the swarm, I suggest that you do it too, boo. I've already turned off all my electronics because I've been watching Black Mirror this week and I'm not fucking around with that shit. <laughs> I'm going to go and say a few prayers because I feel like I got a little blasphemous this week. A sinner's prayer? You see what I did there? That's a lady. Yeah, you remember the tracks on the you remember the tracks on the album you don't like. (laughs) I do. Talk to you later. Go go on your knees and pray. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye. This episode of Speed Eye was produced by Michael Catano, James T. Green, Mukta Mohan, and Kasha Mihailovich for the MTV Podcast Network, with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts.